This week on Report at Home with, I'm chatting to Paul Chatwin Ross, who is International Trading Director at Magna. I actually catch up with Paul pretty regularly and he lets me quiz him on how things work and why they work that way. And this week he was kind enough to let me hijack that conversation and record it for the podcast. We touch on quite a few different topics, including how we use data in trading, how to negotiate and an out of home campaign that he's particularly proud of buying. Hope you enjoy listening. Here it is. Introduce yourself. Tell me who you are and what you're about. Uh, Yes. Well, you may not even know my name because um, I actually changed my name this week. Just gone. So my name is Paul Chatwin Ross rather than Paul Chatwin now. So, yes. And I got your look of surprise as well. That was (laughs) I had to set you up for this question so I could then tell you that I've changed my name. Two and a half years too late. Anyway, I work as a international investment director within Magna. So international, what markets do you sort of look after? Is that? Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, I guess in my role, primarily it's EMEA. But um, the amount of conversations I have with our friends in the US and our different regional partners, it means I actually tend to work quite a lot with most people around the world. But um, for, for, for specifically for our international team here, it's more of an EMEA focus role. Okay, amazing. So, and do you deal with most kinds of media apart from, you say, out of home is quite separate? Is that the same across different markets? Well, it kind of it kind of depends. I was thinking about this earlier, and actually, what we what we work on as Magna is kind of more of a broad scale, looking over everything rather than necessarily the minutiae. So, obviously, yourself, you're uh, deeply within the um, outdoor field, but obviously, we have conversations about what happens on a broader basis, and that's the kind of things that we that we look at doing. Um, what I would say is that where we have uh, specific departments, such as yourselves or outdoor, such as uh, Matterkind, in those kind of digital programmatic elements obviously those conversations are even more high level because they will have the integrated relationships with the suppliers etc etc where we have um, employees in the planning teams buying teams that actually buying direct so for instance with newspapers with digital we probably have a little bit more of a hands-on role there because we look to assist them with the buying as well as the general overall p- bigger picture um I would say with international, the one area that we don't typically get involved with it so much is TV because TV is such a national focused area with real resource in there. Uh, and some markets are, are really, really uh, heavily intensive on TV. That that's one area we probably don't get into. So data is being used a lot more in the UK, at least, um, to inform that trade in and out of home. Because that sort of similar across different medias, across different markets. Is that a trend everywhere? Yeah, look. Um, <laughs> well, obviously, we've made a massive purchase in Axiom that has been, we know, we has been talked about to death, but, you know, it is very important for our future. And that's not just the US buying it for US purposes, obviously, testing it out in our biggest market first and understanding how that works across multiple media, you know, is is to the benefit of what we're doing. But the, the, the purpose of buying Axiom, a data only play is to roll out across everything that we're doing does that mean that we're ready in all markets doing it right now no um, and i don't think market maturity is right in certain markets anyway to do that but what it means is that we're looking to do that eventually in all markets because of the massive amount of data that axiom has and hopefully we can utilize that in different smart ways and to be able to be able to do so and you know i think i think there's a lot of interesting things to come 
Okay, cool. So do you think there's a way that buying colder should be unified across different channels and how they're measured? Look, one of the one of the holy oh god, I'm gonna hate myself for saying this. One of the holy grail, and I'm doing air quotes for anyone who can't see me and is yeah. I feel ashamed of myself already for saying this. One of the holy grail things is being able to measure everything as if everything is equal or put weightings next to everything. Now, there are a lot of clever people who've done a lot of clever bits of maths and packages and things, etc. Cetera, etc., cetera, where you have theoretically programs that can do that. But I think a lot of the time when you try and do this, what happens is people lose the big picture. I think this is happening a lot in media now. And it's not to people's detriment or blame. But I think we can get so siloed and so concerned with the specifics that we're doing and trying to suggest how that might be different slash better to something else that we miss the the big picture of how each of these works together. Look, at at the end of the day, we're here to uh, promote clients' services and products, et cetera, et cetera. You know, advertising at the end of the day is a is a is a messaging f- kind of forum in a word that again I'm hating myself for using. Stop laughing, and um, <laughs> and 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 you know, if we look at it, we not every single medium is going to be right for every single advertising campaign. So where you want to maybe say is that is an outdoor impression as good as a cinema impression as good as something else where i'm going to use the word impression and you can't put impressions next to it anyway so someone will ridicule me online right it doesn't matter is it right for what you're actually trying to sell or is it right for what you're trying to promote will it overall do what it's supposed to do and i think we lose so much sight of that these days because we are we sometimes go into way too much detail and i think we need to take a step back very often and say is this going to do what we're being asked to do and and that's that's how you should measure it. And then then you can compare. Like if you've got a big, huge piece of creative that you know is a big full site thing, you know that's beautiful colours, that kind of stuff. You know, like latest model of X Y Z that I really want to show off because the the imagery of it is right. Yes, that's great for outdoor. No, it doesn't work on radio. I mean, sometimes we lose sight of that because a client will ask to go as get as many eyeballs as possible, and that's what we'll try and do without thinking about what actually happens. Yeah, really interesting perspective. So you don't get to where you are without being quite good at negotiation. What tips could all of us take on board to get a bit better at negotiating? Okay, thanks for asking that so I can make a shameless plug. So look, I think a lot of people worry about this topic, especially from what I've uh, from when I've been asking people about it, because they think that there is one size fits all, there should be one way to do it, and they're not doing it right. Okay, and that's that's always the worry because there's no actual end answer when you come to negotiating. You know, I've been in this game, this game, blooming over, um, this game, 13 years. I've been in this game 13 years, Gav, yeah, I've been in this game, right? Um, <laughs> that's the best I can do, Southern, right? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I've heard people murder my Northern accent. I'm allowed to murder a Southern one occasionally. And, you know, a lot of it is learned through experience, right? But, you know, you can... You can pick things up and have tactics and suggestions that can also work. But the, the, the interesting thing is there is no there is no one right way ever to negotiate. A lot of people think, what's the right way? What should I do? And, you know, what is the answer? And unfortunately for those people searching for a singular answer is there isn't. There's many ways to negotiate. And a lot of it depends on not only who you're negotiating with, but who you are as well. So I've learned personally through my time doing 
this. And I've had a variety of bosses who've wanted me to do things in different ways. That I'm more effective, not when I'm being very confrontational, because that's what I thought you should do when I started. It's, oh, negotiation, trade must be hard and must get best things and punish someone else. But I'm not the kind of person that's good at that. And I don't think for me and for the people that I generally tend to trade with that that ever works out in the best results. The best results for us and also good results for who you're with as well, because when you've got a win-win situation, as any negotiation course will tell you, that's probably the best best way to do it because you can forge longer term relationships. Right. So. There's a there's a there's a tip that's not that is free, but it's not original because I've learned it from other people. However, if you want me to also talk to you about other things that I have taken from other people and uh, stuff that I have actually learned over the course of my career, we do um, we do in London at the moment have a negotiation for beginners, I guess, basics. I think we call it negotiation basics because it is basic. And if you want to sign up, please do either contact me or uh, someone in talent, I think, gives a shout. Um, plug over. Great plug. So, Paul, you've had a pretty interesting career. Why don't you tell me a bit about it and anything that stands out that you're particularly proud of? Here's what I find. Here's, here's what I find um, strange is that um, I still feel like uh, media in London is still slightly southern dominated, and yet you've got two northerners talking on a podcast about it, right? Which I still I find it quite funny. But I do remember at one of my previous places, um, there is a there's a friend of mine who remain nameless, but uh, anyone who knows me knows who this is. And uh, he used to, for a good year and a half, every time I said anything, he'd go, "What?" And I'd be like, "I'd say," it. and he goes, "No, I can't understand northern, mate. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to change your language all the time for a solid year and a half." I got that. Definitely not irritated at all. But yeah, 13 years in advertising, which is probably you know 13 years too many, but at the same time, I really loved it. I guess my route, especially in a London agency, is a bit different because I started up in Scotland, and I, I I'm not sure I've met anyone else in agency land in London who actually started uh, in Scotland. I, there's one or two that started at regionals, but not necessarily that far north. Um, and uh, you know it's like that classic first first uh, first place you ever go to in Avland, and I, I I see this with a lot of other people, and I I do say this to many. I think I said this to you um, before as well um, that you tend to find that you make your best friendships in work through your first agency because you come up at the same time as other people coming up, and you're finding your feet. And I um, I still have I have a very good friend who is at another agency now, and uh, I met I met that friend at um, at Feathers. Uh, which is where I started, and I was, uh, was my my best friend in media. But you know, and um, you know, it gives you a really good footing, that kind of thing. But then, you know, I would say that because I did it, and um, you know, you've got to pick yourself up somehow, haven't you? But you know, been down been down in London for a long time, and buying most media except television for some reason, I've managed to miss that one out. Um, so it feels sometimes like you're old school because you've bought print and six sheets <laughs> physical pasting i guess the one the one thing i was really proud of it we did we did a campaign for the independent i think i told you this one because it was an outdoor one right so yeah practicing of, of is outdoor so there you go you can smile at that yeah there we go so it was a there was a general election and i cannot tell you which one it was but i was with walker at the time so that must be at least nine, ten years ago. So whenever there was an election around that time, 
I would have said I'm not trying to go into politics, but this is literally about politics, right? So I can't help it. Uh, the Independent was a client of ours, and they wanted to put some uh, messaging out about, um, at the time, people felt that the Murdoch empire had too much influence around elections. Long story short, long story short, basically, they, they have messaging to the effect of don't let the Murdochs decide this election. We thought, along with the, the client, just to put it on advance and literally circle for the whole day around famous government institutions and very famous areas of London, which started essentially outside the Houses of Parliament and then went past the uh, Sun offices at the time as well. And the reason I'm really proud of this was two twofold. One, I spent essentially an entire day on the telephone to the guys controlling these ad vans, telling them where to go with the client in one ear and me on the phone to the other ear. I almost literally had two phones on me at the same time, just going, go here, go here, go here. Not exactly brilliantly pre-planned, but at the time it was great because they were hearing information, they wanted it to move and we could do it all in real time. I, Looking back, I should have gone to wherever we bought that from and just sat in their office for the whole day. It would have cut down time massively and it would have been a lot easier and I'd have had even more fun. But the other reason I really liked it was... Um, Rebecca Brooks, who is um, quite well known, um, she was a former editor of The Sun, um, one of Rupert Murdoch's uh, right-hand women. Uh, Actually, her and whoever, who was her deputy editor at the time, actually went into the independent offices after seeing the advan and told them to stop doing it, uh, which made me extremely happy. So <laughs> having known that the uh, target actually <laughs> saw an ad and had to do so much that they actually took action off the back of an ad to try and stop someone doing it anymore, uh, that's the kind of thing. That's only happened one other time in my life in advertising. And it was, again, it was outdoor and it was for m and we got people on uh, segways, um, rolling up and down a high street parade in a new M&S and they had a competitor store actually tell, call my client and say, can you stop doing that? Because they're telling people to go to your store and they're going there. Yeah, I was quite happy with those ones. Um, love that. Love that they were both outdoor. There you go. And I've actually picked those genuinely and not just to be a sycophant to your particular specialism right now. So, <laughs> Love it. No, 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 no. So a love of out of home feels like a good place to round things off. But if you're wondering what didn't make the edit, I think this clip sums it up pretty well. We've talked about how much I hate three-letter acronyms for probably longer than anyone cares to go on about. Listen in again next week to hear from Susan Kingston-Brown, who's the Chief Product Officer for EMEA at UM.